Falcons fans, how's it going? This is Noah, coming in with a quick update. I'm going to be filling in for Mad Mike as we go about this Q&A session. These are some of the questions that he delegated to me, so <laughs> I apologize in advance if you wanted Mad Mike's perspective, but you got mine instead. These can definitely seem like some knockoff answers, but hey, I'm going to get through it, so please bear with me. One of the first suggestions that he sent to me was from Tony Hall, so shout out to you. His comment was, still wanted to see if you all would come up with an all-time Falcons team, best player by position since 1966. I think it would be a great off-season debate. Thanks, fellas, for continued great content. Now, I already told him off the bat that I really like this idea, and it's gonna, it's definitely something that's gonna be in the works for us, <laughs> and I will make sure of it. I personally want want to have as many people on the panel as possible at a time i might be advocating for like a saturday or sunday in order to make this work but we'll see how everyone else's schedules can go as for another submission send in by dex digs <laughs> shout out to you this isn't really my type of question anyways he's saying hey man enjoy the content question are you ever going if you're ever going to do the wrestling channel, I know you got a lot on your plate. Peace and blessings. <laughs> he does have a lot on his plate. Why do you think I'm doing this for him? <laughs> um, well, I think it's because of this comment, thanks to you, Dex, that he's already made his videos. He's already made the polls. Depending on how recently this can be posted up on the channel, I think, uh, what was the last video? I think it was about uh, Cesaro leaving the WWE. So you best believe if people request it enough, there's going to be videos about it. Appreciate that. Uh, we got another one from Jonathan Bell. Shout out to you. He's saying, with all the glaring needs the Falcons have, do you see them filling all the holes with draft and free agents and still be competitive? I like this question. I had to think about it for quite a bit. One little thing I might want to change, though, on this question. Uh, and he said, and free agents and still be competitive. I'd probably word that around differently to say in order to be competitive, but that's just me. Um, anyways, the draft and the free agency is always is going to be a big component in how you build a team your philosophy going into either ones uh terry fontenot as we all mentioned uh, he said it himself that he wants to approach his needs on the team in the free agency so that way he can have a best player mentality when he goes into the draft but i think in order for that to be the case you really got to look at the draft all right there's no slouching they're doing the due diligence more than they did last year when they really couldn't go to certain venues and now they're trying to do everything that they can in order to go to the senior bowl and they're actively searching we're trying to improve our front office as we speak basically it's all with a plan in mind and i like that i like the direction that they're going we'll see if it bears any fruitage you know as we approach the season but our february answer is going to be yeah i still think that we can be competitive now <laughs> Knowing how many holes that we have on our roster, it's pretty difficult when you realize that we're, at the moment, we're under 7 million, or we're over 7 million above the cap limit. We are far from the worst position in the NFL when it comes to that metric, but it's still not a good spot to be in. So this is why I'm really heavily suggesting that they try to get who they need in the draft, and that can allow them to have a bit more tunnel vision to approach certain free agents because the free agency frenzy is going to be more unpredictable than the actual draft itself as as crazy as that seems because at the moment you know franchise tags haven't happened re-signings haven't happened certain extensions in order to kind of situate the cap for each team that hasn't happened yet there's a lot of moves that you have yet to be made um, another thing to look at is our division i think that well, obviously, if you're the best in your division, you get to host the playoff spot. How are the other teams looking right now? Are we 
intimidated right now by the Buccaneers? Are we intimidated by by the Carolina Panthers? Can the can the Aints do anything in order to make us <laughs> intimidated of them? They're obviously all going to try to get better, as we are too. But it just comes down to how we can take advantage of this opportunity when you know certain key people have left from these organizations that have been sitting at the top for the last couple of years. I do think that our window is still available for us. And I know that a lot of us seem to have this impatient mentality towards wanting to build this team. But I really don't see these other teams approaching, you know, that playoff contender or that Super Bowl contender right now. Obviously, again, (laughs) this is our our February answer. Things can go a lot different by the time that we reach the end of April. As of right now, that's the answer that I'm sticking to. But I really appreciate the, uh, the question. Uh, though we got two submitted by Sean, the RC mechanic. Shout out to you. Uh, his first question will go like this. He's saying, will Calvin Ridley be traded before or after the draft? And if he is traded before the draft, will we get a first round pick? The more picks, the better, right? I really like this question as well. I think it would be wise in order for the Falcons to make this selection when there is more evidence to suggest that Calvin Ridley is still worth a top value like that. You know, as far as talent, that really hasn't been the main question about him. Sometimes you can question his play style, as we've done so in the past. You can question where his heart is at the moment. You know, is his heart in the right place? And that can be a deciding factor to certain general managers and certain teams that want to make that call. And then because of those setbacks, how do the other teams value him? Do they still value him as a first-round talent? You know? He was picked at 24 in the 2018 draft class. And, you know, at the beginning half of the season for the 2020 season, he was one of the best wide receivers or at least one of the most productive wide receivers in the NFL. So he definitely still has that to his game up until the events occurred on the field or more importantly off the field for him. So that's still up in the air. But as far as the value would go, um, if you want to go with the more picks, the merrier mentality, I wouldn't suggest you try to get a first round. I really like the talent in the second, third, and even fourth rounds just as much as I do the first round. All right, I really don't think that there is that much of a drop-off at certain position groups. If you need a wide receiver, you can find a really good wide receiver in the in the third and fourth round. If you want an edge rusher, you can still find a really good edge rusher in the third and fourth round. If you want a, a running back or an offensive lineman, you can still find that in the third and fourth round. You want a safety and you can't get Hamilton, there are guys to get there. The way that I look at it, if you really want the more picks, the better. See if there's other teams that have maybe two third round picks and would like to get a wide receiver in order to help their team out. Or at least like a second and third and see if you can get that out of them. Or maybe like a third and a fourth and see if you can get that. Whatever the case may be, if you want more picks, then you may, I know it seems like a low ball, but there's legitimate setbacks that another team can consider. Um, if you do somehow get a first round talent, then might I suggest, even if it's like a late 20s, might I suggest that you trade back from your spot, from our spot at eight. What that allows you to do is that you can get, you can get an equal amount of talent, even if you have to fall back just a bit. You can get more picks from a quarterback desperate team. You know, that's always going to be the case. You can go in with that approach, expect some calls, you know, trade back, get more picks in the second and third round, maybe another extra pick in order to help you from next year. And you can really go with that approach. And I'd be completely fine with that too. If you have just one pick in the in the first round, you know, that's fine. If you're trying to get two and then you still want to keep the rest of the draft the same, you might say that you'll end up with higher, with a better talent. But if you go to certain positions with this in mind, 
you may not get an equal answer. Be wary of that. And then the last question, uh, you redeemed it as a stupid question, but I'm still going to answer it anyways. Uh, just got to do my due diligence. He's saying, but is there any chance that Matt Ryan gets traded in the offseason? I want him on a winning team so he can get his first ring before he retires. This old line can't protect Matt. Whew, hard to ignore that fact when I think he was like legitimately the most hit quarterback in the NFL. And that's even with Burrow getting hit as much as he did uh with this type of question it's more of the financial matters that would concern another team especially for trade bait one thing that another team would really consider about matt ryan is the stability that he would provide at the position now say what you want about his performance or whatever but you can't ignore the fact that he is stable you will expect him to show up from weeks one to week 18 that's what we've expected ever since freaking 2009 <laughs> okay, so having that is a huge benefit for any team. Um, another thing you have to keep in mind is what the front office thinks about him. You know, what does Arthur Blank, what does Terry Fontenot, what does Arthur Smith say? I know they mentioned about, hey, basically no one is safe on this roster, but with the way that the contract was set up for him, it's really hard to move him. It's dang near impossible. In order to safely maneuver that, and on top of that, you're now adding an extra hole to this roster that you have to fill out, and you want to make that a quick decision? Ugh. I don't know. It's gonna you're gonna put your roster in really murky waters at a time that we really may not like. You can still keep your window open with him on the roster in order to be competitive, right? Like we just talked about with the other question sent in uh, by Jonathan Bell. Like you can be competitive in here if you work it out just right. Now I know we got a tough schedule ahead of us, but basically, so does everyone else, you know, in, in our division at least. Thinking about it from that perspective, I think this could be just blind optimism, but I think that we can be just fine so long as Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith make the right decisions in both the in both the free agency and the draft and knowing what they did last year with even less than what we have now I think they did just fine you know especially when they're they're consistently adding in pieces from the front office in order to make it as important to them as what's on the field for us so those are the questions that were sent in to me uh, let me know what you think because this is my first video format <laughs> everything I've done so far has been in a stream form and hopefully I answered all your questions. Now, if you still want Mike's take on it, then, you know, you can just leave it in the comments below. But that's my side of it. <laughs> I guess if you want more of it, then, hey, you can let me know. Oh, one last thing. Guys, 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 what are you guys doing? Like, there are so many of us that are subscribed to Mad Mike's points that aren't subscribed to K-Styles. Come on, man. <laughs> You gotta get him from the six man K styles to the 600 subscriber man K styles at least. All right, so I'm counting on you guys in order to do that. You know, it's not just for my sake because I, I don't really have no stake in this, but at least do it for his sake, for everything that he's worked for. I believe the man deserves it. I'm, I'm trying to get you guys on board with the same idea as well. So if you're not doing that, then get to it, please. It really means a lot to the crew. Thanks for tuning in and peace. All right, Falcons fans, how's it going? This is Noah again. We got another installment of the Ask the Crew Q&A. The question that I have with is a very loaded question, and it's one that I'm going to have to give a lot of thought into. But submitted by Floyd Dinelli. He goes, uh, and I quote, Would the Falcons be pissed at the, at the draft if Falcons go wide receiver with eight Falcons fans? Now, the reason as to why this is a loaded question is because of what our roster looks like at the moment. So I'm going to answer this in a couple of different ways, right? And really 
really make sure that we figure everything out. The first thing I'm gonna try to do is I'm going to picture the scenario of where we wouldn't have to worry about anything else and we can make sure that the number one need of this team heading into day one of the draft is a wide receiver. So the first thing that has to happen if we're going to hypothetically solve the problems up until the draft is we have to make sure that the pass rush is fixed. If the pass rush is not fixed, then there's no bother looking into this position like that is the clear-cut thing and because of the depth that is provided at the pass rushing position i understand it's very enticing to try to wait and get the best offensive players that you can but you got to understand that there's a lot of good depth to be had elsewhere but if that's the direction that the falcons may not need to go then they're not going to go they're going to go best player available and they're going to live and die on that hill so for what it's worth that pass rush has to be situated first. The other thing that I will consider is making sure that we feel comfortable at the linebacker position. Now I know what you can say, well, if you fix the pass rush, does that negate the need to get such high talent at the linebacker position? Because you're now, you're making it easier for the linebackers as opposed to what was going on last year, where the linebackers had to do everything because of the level of inexperience, inconsistency, or just straight up incompetence of like four out of the five players that would typically land up in front of them. The one thing that I will also tell you is I don't feel as confident in the stretch of talent in the linebacker group especially for what we would ask of them to do we would need a linebacker that is smart enough in order to put everyone else in the proper position we need them to call the play all right so having a good amount of knowledge of that playbook which dean pease is trying to unlock more of it we have to make sure that they are a secure tackler they are very instinctive and that they can handle everything from a slot wide receiver to a tight end to a running back out of the backfield in terms of coverage and they might also have to rush the passer every now and then just because of of what DPs wants to do. That's a lot to ask for. Now, once you get into the later rounds, you look at the linebacker position and now you're starting to categorize those players. It's like, okay, well now he's just a run stuff or he's just a pass rusher or he's just a coverage guy. When you go in the top of the draft and you take a look at a guy like Devin Lloyd, who is really well-rounded in basically everything that he does, that does seem more enticing than to get a wide receiver that will do less from just a pure value of the team standpoint. Now, the coverage as a whole, you know, do you want to get a guy like Sauce Gardner and just make sure that you have your secondary solidified there? Do you go with a Kyle Hamilton if he's still on the board and make sure that you just get a playmaker on the defensive side of the ball? Just overall. Or are you still wanting that wide receiver or that other playmaker to complement whatever Kyle Pitts' role would be, whatever Cordell Patterson's role would be? Because of how important the secondary is to a, uh, to a coach like Dean Pease, you can try to please him now and make sure that you go with either a, a, a corner or a safety that high up. Or you can do what this question is asking and try to appeal to Arthur Smith first and go, well, hey, I lost my wide receiver one. So what I'm going to do now is get his replacement because of you know x y and z reasons as to why that guy was either a better fit for us or just overall he was the better player boring all of that it's interesting that this question mentions just a, a specific position rather than a player because you're not going to find a jamar chase in this draft class if that's what you're looking for you know there is no yearly annual jamar chases to be passed out to every draft class all right we sometimes do get a little bit spoiled when it comes to the wide receivers now if you were to take Traylon burks and put him into last year's draft class would he really be competing for the pick number eight would he be up there with a guy like jamar chase or jalen waddle who were selected 
bid that high? Or would you want to reconsider where you're selecting him at or trade back in order to try to get more draft value later on? Because let's face it, we got a lot of problems on this team, people. You also have to figure out if we don't solve wide receiver one in free agency, then yes, it would also be considerate to get a number one wide receiver in the draft class. And who knows how long you can wait in order for that to be revealed to you. That is an approach that you can consider. What I would be thinking of is in order to make this pick eight wide receiver worth it is you bring back a guy like Cordero Patterson. Maybe you permanently move him to wide receiver two. You re-sign Russell Gage and permanently move him to slot receiver. But then you just need that wide receiver one filled out for you. You have your tight end one. You're going to need your tight end two later on. And then you're going to need your legitimate RB1 again. That's what you can consider. Another thing that you can also consider is how does this please some of the critics about Matt Ryan's contract? However, we get this situated. The performance of Matt Ryan this year uh, is going to be completely judged off of not necessarily how much he's making this year, but just necessarily how much his cap hit would harm the team, right? Because I know that he's got the biggest in NFL history, but it's still only like two million above a guy like Aaron Rodgers, with like three million above a guy like Kirk Cousins, and about eleven or twelve million above a guy like Jared Goff, you know, five million above a guy like Sean Watson who hasn't played. This is the market of the quarterback because of how much of a proven veteran he's been. That's what proven veterans make now. His performance is going to be heavily tied into the story of the Falcons 2022 season and how you negate some of that criticism is by having another playmaker for him to develop and also you're going to have a playmaker to develop for the long term for his succession plan at quarterback. Making sure that that's established is also really good for you. If you want to have that sustained success mentality like Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot share, then that is a good way to go about things. Now let's talk about the players that you would select there, right? Let's talk about a guy like Traylon Burks or a guy like Drake London. Maybe you can throw in a guy like Eric Wilson in this conversation. If you want to get a wide receiver one that, that high in the top 10, do they do things that literally no other wide receiver can? That's my question to you. Do you see something in their game, respectively, whatever direction you want to go, do you see something in them that you don't see in any other prospect in this wide receiver position? Because if you're just here to fill a role, I can get that later on, right? Or I can get that in free agency and not have to worry about needing to get you just to fulfill a role, you know? Especially not that hot. Like when you can get something else that will solve your other problem or that can help out with another contract situation that you might be considering by the time the next offseason comes around. And then you'll have that future problem solved. So you can go that route instead. With a guy like Traylon Burks, I understand that he is a bigger body receiver. Um, his combine and stuff will be really determined also how teams can view him, you know, as far as his route running ability. Now we understand his frame, we understand his versatility, but where is the crisp of the route runs? Where is the anticipation when it comes to certain certain routes you know where is his unpredictability and what comes to the top of his routes and there's a lot of other things to consider right how does he fight off against press man coverage how does he handle his releases in order to get open quick right like you need to get that wide receiver that can get open in about two seconds because that's how much top matt ryan has time to throw can they get separation in about two seconds make sure that a guy like drake london and Jalen burst can handle that for you because if you're just drafting him for frame guess what there's other guys in this draft class that have the same frame that can have similar speed that can have similar catch radiuses and all that kind of stuff if you really trust them and if you really develop them in the proper way sometimes it's not necessarily about the position or about the player sometimes 
sometimes about the situation. Think back a couple years when Henry Ruggs was the first wide receiver selected. Was he really regarded as the best wide receiver? Uh, some could say that, right? I mean, the Raiders definitely did. But who was put in the better position? You know, was it Henry Ruggs? Or was it a guy like C.D. Lamb later on? Or was it a guy like Justin Jefferson that was even later on than that? Like, think about stuff like that. Are we putting a guy like Drake Flindon, a guy like Garrett Wilson, a guy like Traylon Burks, are we putting them in that perfect situation for them to be the best version of them? If you're not sure about that answer, then it's probably going to be a no. So really keep that in mind. Now, as for what the fans would suggest, if it fills that spot and we're comfortable with everything else set up on our roster, which is a dang near impossible task, let's be honest, you're not going to please this fan base, especially when it comes to a singular pick, right? We thought that drafting Kyle Pitts last year was going to be a safe pick, and look what happened, <laughs> right? Like, people still want to say that we missed out and that we settled on the safest player in the draft class of that year and got maximum production i still don't understand that but that's what other people are still trying to say like oh man you guys missed out and now carl pitts is gonna be a draft bus for you guys i don't know how to break it to you dude but you're getting that kind of production from a guy that's that young so at the end of the day, knowing this fan base, they're not gonna be happy with anything. And that's, and that's really the main part of this question. Please guys, leave comments, 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 comments. Oh, by the way, since my last recording, Harry Styles did hit 600. Uh, congratulations to him. We really appreciate that you guys for doing that. Well, I mean, you can continue to subscribe to Mag My Sports while you're out of here too. Leave your likes. And if you really wanna come back here and for more of this, subscribing is the way to do it.